Good morning to you all. It's very good to be with you this morning as we come together to hear God's word, to hear it proclaimed, to wait for his spirit to speak to us. And so I would ask that you would turn together to, in our Bibles to Luke chapter 6. In Luke chapter 6, I'll be reading from the New International Version, verses 43 to the end of the chapter. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick, pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, if his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep, who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Let us pray. Almighty God, on this day, I ask that your spirit would come and speak through the words that I speak so that your word might be proclaimed to us, to all of us, your people, so that we might be convicted and comforted and transformed and called once again to follow Jesus and to glorify you. We ask this in your name, amen. You may be seated. This is a very busy time of year. I, I'm aware of that for so many. We are almost to the time of Advent. We are not that far from Thanksgiving at all. And then as soon as Thanksgiving comes, we're not far from Christmas. Most people keep their calendar, I think, by holidays, time working, time off. Students keep their calendars other ways. They keep their calendars by the tests and exams they're going to give. And I must say, as a professor, that's how I keep my calendar a lot, too. This is a very busy time. It's a particularly busy time as we come into past midterms, into the papers that are due, and then moving on towards finals. Some of us liked school so much we never left it. I'm one of those, I have to say, and as I read this passage, it took me back to my own time in college. I graduated on May 10th, long time ago. That's what I'll say, a long time ago. More on that later. And within one week of leaving uh, graduation, I was in New York City. It was a very exciting time for me. I had never been to anywhere like that in my life, certainly not to New York City. I came from an incredibly sparsely populated place, 
in the upper Midwest, there were more people, there were fewer people in my entire school of grades one through 12 than I would think in an average class of any American school. And New York was absolutely overwhelming to me. I was nervous when I was there. I was excited when I was there. I was excited because I was going to receive a prize there, but I was very nervous because I knew that when I got back from there, I was going to ask my girlfriend to marry me. I did, and she did, 30 years next summer. I did a lot of fun things in New York, just looking at all the people. When I looked around, I saw more people than lived in my entire county back home. I got to take the ferry in Manhattan, see the Statue of Liberty. One of the, I think the most awe-inspiring thing I did there, I can say safely, is I went to the observation deck of the South Tower of the World Trade Center. The scene from there was absolutely amazing. You have to remember that I spent most of my life very, very close to the ground. And so as I looked out, I saw a scene that I could never have imagined. But what I remember the most, actually, is not what I saw, but what I felt. Because the building moved. It moved. You know, when you build a building, architects talk about two things. One thing is a building has to hold itself up. If you're going to build a building, a building has to hold up its own weight. That's called the dead load. The dead load is just the building itself has to hold itself up. But you're going to put a lot of furniture and furnishings into a building, and there are going to be a lot of people in a building, and that's called the live load. And a building has to be able to hold up not only itself, but everything you put in that building, and all the people that will be in that building. But skyscrapers are different. Because the force on a skyscraper is not only the gravity that is pulling it down, like most buildings, but the wind. They are so tall that the wind plays with those buildings. And when it moved, I found that profoundly disconcerting. <laughs> and they have to build them that way. And they're made to move a bit. And they can't make them to move too much, because if they move too much, then people find that emotionally and physically disconcerting. And the standard, the standard for building those buildings is not what a young farm boy from North Dakota finds disconcerting, let me tell you. How do you build a building that big? You go up by going down. The higher you go up, the deeper you have to go down. You have to dig deep into the earth, deep into the earth until you hit bedrock. And when you hit bedrock, you drive beams deep into that rock. And those beams are part of the foundation. So that the most important thing about a building is not what your eyes do when you go high looking to the top of that skyscraper, but what you never see, what is deep, and far underneath it. In some places, that doesn't have to be too deep. If you're building in Manhattan, it can be as little as 50 feet deep, 
if you're building right on rock itself. But in Malaysia, the Petronas Towers, the seventh tallest tower in the world, actually twin towers there too, their foundation goes down 400 feet below the surface. So when you see those towers and how tall they are, they're grounded in something incredibly deep on a firm foundation. Jesus ends here talking about firm foundations. He's been turning the world upside down with his sermon that he has been giving, which you can read perhaps this afternoon or this week, the Sermon on the Plain in Luke. In the Sermon on the Plain, Jesus is turning the world upside down because he says that we're not only supposed to love our friends, but we're supposed to love our enemies that we're not only to speak kindly of those who speak kindly of us and do kindness to those who do kindness to us, but that we are to speak and kindly and do kindness even to those who do not do that for us. He tells us that we should not be persons who are naturally vengeful, but we should be unnaturally forgiving. He tells us that we should not begin by judging the lives and works of others, but that we should examine ourselves, concerned not so much with the specks in others' eyes, but the beams in our own. And Jesus says we should watch who we follow, because whoever you follow, you're going to end up where they end up, and you might end up in a ditch. Jesus takes following incredibly Seriously, when we hear following, we think of Twitter or Instagram or something like that, but that's not what Jesus means. Jesus means about investing one's entire life, following someone, going somewhere with someone, going with himself. And then he tells the story, and he says, why? Well, before that, he talks about fruit, and he says that the people you follow are going to shape your life. And the life that you have, the character that you have is going to come forth in the fruit of your life, the things you say, the things you do. Most of the time we say that the things we do are more important than the things we say, and there's a lot of truth to that. I remember when I taught undergrads, I said, you always have to look at what people do, not just what they say. We can think sometimes of young men who say to a young woman that they love her, but then we watch how he treats her, and we recognize that the things he says and the things he does are not the same. Ideally, though, Jesus says that the things that we say and the things that we do are in harmony with one another. And out of a good heart, the mouth will speak. And out of a good heart, deeds will be done. And then Jesus tells this story about foundations. He says, let me tell you about what foundations are like. First of all, you have to think, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? And Jesus isn't so much talking only to the people around him, but he's talking to you and me and to all those who would follow him later. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why do you sing songs of praise, gather together, do the things you do, but don't do what I say? Let me tell you, though, about someone who does. The person who hears my words and does them is like a person who builds his life, builds her life 
on a solid rock, who digs down deep, who digs down deep and lays a firm foundation. And when the torrents of life come and they strike that rock, they break upon it and they flow away. But the person who hears my words and does not do them, Jesus says, is like the person who builds no foundation at all. And when the torrent come in life and hit the sand on which that house simply rests, sand simply flows away and with it the house falls. And its destruction is very great. What is the foundation of your life? Kierkegaard was a great Christian philosopher, and I'm going to play with his ideas a bit, and there are always Kierkegaard purists around, and so I'll probably maybe upset them a bit, and I ask for their forgiveness, because I'm doing this the best I can in my own kind of way. But I'm borrowing him a bit. In talking about foundations, there are people who build no foundations at all. They simply live life as it comes, and they're concerned just simply with the very simple pleasures of life, with little or no reflection at all. Some of them follow people called influencers, and I don't really understand influencers, which probably shows you that I'm not much of one at all. <laughs> but I wonder about this kind of life sometimes. I like coffee, but you know, coffee, some people turn coffee into a culture, a lifestyle. Coffee's great, you know? A warm cup of coffee, but a co coffee can't, it, it can't get you through the hardest times of life. It can't hold your hand. Other people follow fashion and clothing, and look, clothing's great. I'm glad you're wearing it. I know you're glad <laughs> I am too. I think we all do each other a service today with clothing. But the reality is, the reality of clothing is, is that it will not take long at all, especially, to be quite honest, for those of you who are women, un unfortunately and unfairly, that most of the things in your closet will quickly become out of date. Your clothes will either pass away as you give them away or they, were, they will wear out. And then to go a bit darker still, the last clothing that you will ever wear, you will not put on, it will be put on you as you pass from this life into the next. And people will not remember so much in this life what you wore as much as they will remember the things that you said and the things that you did. And so some people recognize this and they dig deeper beyond what I'm calling here the hedonistic life, the life simply of pleasure. They know there must be something more. They dig deeper. Is there something more noble in life? And they recognize that it's more noble to serve others, and they give themselves to the political life. Now, politics has taken on a negative tone, but all politics meant to the ancient Greeks was life together. What does it mean to live life together? And they invest their life in something more noble simply than simple pleasures. But the reality there too is, 
is that politics change and parties change and elections come and go. Empires rise up. The ancient Greeks gave way to the Romans. The Romans, with their thousand-year reign, disappeared. Hitler declared a new one of a thousand years and did not make 15. And these things come and go, and even politicians die and pass away, and people recognize that there must be something more stable still, and they dig down deeper, and they recognize, if I cannot change the world, and if I cannot even change the people around me, I can change myself, and they dig down to the moral life. In the ancient world, the greatest the greatest rival, perhaps, to Christianity were the Stoics. And the Stoics recognized that it's true. Most things in life we cannot change, but what we can do is we can change how we react to the change all around us. And they recognized that things come in life and things pass away in life, and one should not be too happy when they come, just as one should not be too sad when they go. And they talked about restraining and restricting emotions, and they were smart enough to know that nothing lasts forever. And they said this even about, about restraining our emotions, even regarding to people we love when we lose them, like our spouses. But the reality is, is that our emotions are real. And even if we can try to restrain them, the loss of persons in our lives lead to questions about grieving and loss that the Stoics themselves could not answer. And so some people dig down deeper still to the religious life. Maybe even to persons who help them, maybe even in learning Christian faith, their pastors and their teachers. And this, of course, is more important still, but the reality is that they too shall pass away. And they do not live forever. They can also disappoint us. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, at first it is natural for a baby to take its mother's milk without knowing its mother. It is equally natural for us to see the man who helps us without seeing Christ behind him but we must not remain babies. We must go on, go on to recognize the real giver. It is madness not to. Because if we do not, we shall be relying on human beings. And that is going to let us down. The best of them will make mistakes and all of them will die. We must be thankful to all the people who have helped us. We must honor them and love them, but never, never pin your whole life on any human being, not if he or she is the best and wisest in the whole world. There are lots of nice things you can do with sand, but do not try building a house on it. Jesus is calling people to something deeper. Something deeper simply than the life of pleasure, something deeper even than the political or the moral life, something even deeper than following a great teacher or someone that has helped us in many ways. He's calling us 
to follow himself. When he talks about hearing his words, he's talking about the words that come from himself. And they can't be separated from himself because Jesus is tied to his words and his words are tied to him. They cannot be separated. The disciples knew this. When so many were leaving Jesus and walking away, Jesus said, will you leave too? And they said, where will we go? You alone have words of eternal life. You alone have words of eternal life. This is what makes Jesus different than all other teachers. Kierkegaard knew this too. Because like all teachers, all other teachers, once you have the information they teach you, you don't need them anymore. You know, when I was in first grade, I learned my ABCs. Maybe I learned them before, I actually don't remember. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, I don't remember the rest, but you know, that's what it was, it was like that. I actually can get to the end, I, I can. I mean, don't, don't put me on the spot, but I think I can do it. And you know, the funny thing is, is once you learn your ABCs, you don't have to call your first grade teacher anymore and say, can you please help me with my ABCs? Because you know it. And once you know it, you don't have to call them anymore. It's not that you don't respect them. It's not that you don't revere them. It's not that you don't, don't appreciate them. It's that you don't need them anymore. I don't call my second grade teacher when I do my taxes to do one, two, three, four, five, six. I didn't call my third grade teacher to ask, now how do you spell fruit again for this sermon? I didn't call my fourth grade teacher to ask the harder word, foundation. I didn't ask my fifth grade teacher or my sixth grade teacher because once you have the information, the teacher becomes redundant. But it is not so with Jesus. Jesus' words and his person can't be separated. He's not just calling us to a life of information. He's not just giving us information to know. He's calling us to himself. Because like all, unlike all other teachers, he, he has passed through death. And he will never die again. And he lives and reigns now and forever. And therefore, he, that will never change. And that helps us understand what Christianity is really about because so many of us think that Christianity is about being a good person. But the reality is, is that there are many other good people in history who are not Christians. And the other reality is that many Christians do not live up to the ideals that Jesus himself taught. Lewis knew this too, that there are non-Christians who live better lives than many Christian persons. Jesus isn't just simply calling us to a moral life. He's calling us to himself. He's calling us to follow him. Because in a world where things all change, he is changing. He is unchanging. In a world where things die, he will never die again. This is one of the greatest things I think we have to give to the world today a world that is in the midst of a constant torrent. A world of a 24-hour news cycle. A world that is entertaining itself and never happy at the end because entertainment is never enough. And we entertain ourselves to death, as one person said, and everything seems so fickle and changing. And we as the church 
are called to stand in the middle of the torrent and to calmly speak words of life to people who feel like they are in the middle of a raging river and there is no rock on which to stand and Jesus is the rock. He does not change. You know, when I was a, when, when I stood, when I stood on the observation deck, as a young, young man of the South Tower, of the World Trade Center, I thought that building would be there forever. There is nothing in this life that cannot change. And there are torrents of evil so great that they can bring down buildings from the sky. And in the world of all this change and evil and uncertainty, we can have a foundation that does not. Do you? Do you? Do you have a foundation? Do you have a foundation that's deeper simply than the pleasures of the things that you like to eat and drink? Do you, do you have a foundation deeper than the life you live with others who will, in the end, disappoint you, either in society or even your circle of friends? Do, do you have something deeper than your own efforts to live a moral life? Do you? Do you have something that will not change? Before you and I were here, long ago, in fact, before the foundation of the world was laid, God chose us in Christ before that foundation. And when he decided to lay the foundation for his church, he drove a beam deep into the earth, deep into the earth. And on that beam, he hung his son. And everything in your life of which you are ashamed, and everything in your life of which you have failed, and everything of your life and the hurt that you have caused and that has been done to you, all of it, all of it, God dealt with in that place, on that beam where his son hung. His son took the torrent of the world's evil its full force, and it broke around him. All of your sin and mine. On that beam, the love of God was shown, the justice of God was done, the mercy of God was demonstrated, and the grace of God was made true for you and for me. And all we are called to do is to hear these words and accept them. Because it, in life it is true that we are not promised, we are not promised that we will not suffer. 
but we are promised that God is an ever-present help in trouble and that even if the mountains of the world should fall into the sea and the sea itself should roar and foam, as the psalmist says, God is firm and has laid a firm foundation and provided a rock on which we can stand. For as Paul says, there is no other foundation, there is no other rock that has been laid except the man, Jesus Christ. As Peter said, there's no other name under heaven by which we might be saved, but this name, the name of Jesus Christ. In the end, all things change. In the end, he does not. Death comes for us all. There will come a time where the clothes in your closet will be given away. The shoes on your feet right now. No more Instagram pictures. No more wonderful meals. No more books to read, things to learn. No more music to make. But in the end, at the end of the day, at the end of life, there is Jesus. He lives, he reigns, and he can greet you. We can know him today. He is the rock that has been placed that shall never be moved. Would you stand with me as we pray together? Almighty God, during this final song, I pray that you would speak to us. For those in here today who perhaps do not know what their life is based on, what it is built upon, may they not leave this place until they give it to you and trust you and your son, the firm foundation for their life. Lord, there are others here today who know that foundation, but the torrent of life is breaking hard on their life. I pray for comfort and peace for them, for help for them. I pray, Lord, for those and all of us that we might gain the courage to share this name the name of Christ, because at the end of the day, it is all that we have. As the church is built on him, it is all that we have. And we pray that you would give us courage during these days to point to the rock in the midst of the raging sea and river, knowing that this is our hope and this is our life. Thank you for all that you have done, not only in our life, not only in history and in time, but what you have done before the foundation of the world for us and for our salvation and for the world's salvation. We thank you and praise you for it. In Christ's name, through your spirit, amen.